don't focus on the financial, focus on the work that you're doing. If you're doing good work and if you're helping people and if you're helping businesses and you're really making a difference, the financial part will come with it. Get ready for brilliant people, brilliant ideas, and a regular good time. This is Brilliant Thoughts with Success People editor Tristan Almada, the show that thinks about how personalities, relationships, and communication shape business success. And now here he is, Tristan Almada. As a person that loves social media, marketing, and brand building, I really enjoyed my next call with Leon Sheridan. He has 20 years of marketing experience. He understands marketing and social media like the best of them. And that's why I started with the question about AI. I want to understand what he's doing with his AI team and how I can learn from it. And one thing that he said that really resonated with me was you can't do everything at 100%. So be happy if you can do it at 80% while you delegate the rest to someone else while they get to that 100%. Because if you're trying to do everything all on your own, you're never going to be able to scale. The focus that he places on telling the story, telling the story of the company, of the person, of the vision that we have in place, that was really important. And always remembering that the little things are what's most important in your business. Connect with people at a human level. Listen in to Leon Sheridan. Welcome back to another episode of Brilliant Thoughts, a Success Magazine podcast. And today I have Leon with me. What's up, Leon? Thanks for joining us, man. How are you, man? Great being here. Thank you so much. Thanks for taking the time to do this. I'm always excited to talk to someone that understands marketing at the level that you do it at. So let's start with that. With the world transitioning, I feel with with AI and and marketing just Everyone seems to be like a marketing expert. I hear it all the time, right? Um, what are you? What do you think that we should be paying attention to as entrepreneurs and business owners to the marketing world? Well, it's interesting. So AI is completely changing the game. That's you know, I can tell you. Even for us, you know, we were an agency that used to have, for example, about eight to ten copywriters ongoing on stuff, and at the moment we have you know, one copywriter that's overseeing everything because of the capabilities uh-huh. the AI inserted into the field. So there's constant evolution in the tools that are made available for, you know, any company or individual that's looking to, you know, market themselves and grow and expand in different direction, whether it's, you know, blogs or content creation or articles or anything else like that. There's so much that is constantly changing and there's new AI tools that are coming in daily. So basically what we see is we see at this point, yes, there's an evolution of AI. Things are not picking up as quickly as, you know, everybody thinks. They think like there's new tools coming in every single day. So they're absolutely great. The thing is that what we've noticed is that a lot of those tools, especially when it comes to video creation, dubbing, audio, anything like that, they're a little subpar at this time, you know? So there's a lot of additional work that needs to be created. The other thing is even the tools that are great, like 
ChatGPT and all those text-based tools, they're great. But the thing is that, you know, you still need the human touch to be able to edit, to be able to work them correctly. And that's one big yeah. thing that, you know, a lot of marketing agencies and a lot of companies in general are saying, you know what, we're going to do it all with AI. We're going to cut our costs. But the thing is that if you're doing it all with AI, it's going to backfire. We're definitely not at the stage that, you know, you can just let AI run with it. Now, do I think that in about two years from now, we may be in that stage that AI is going to, you know, create enough to replace a lot of the working process? Potentially, potentially. But I feel like you'll always need that, you know, human interaction and, you know, a human that's going to oversee what's happening, manage the process and guide it the right way. I could tell you for me personally, right, I've been doing marketing for about 20 years now. So for me personally, one of the big things is my knowledge from the last two decades of how things are done and what resonates and what doesn't resonate and how to handle clients and how to handle the campaigns and how, you know, there's a sensitive touch that I feel, you know, is necessary to come from human versus AI. And that's why I think is a key component um, out there. But yes, to sum it up, you know, one thing to really watch for, especially when it comes to marketing is the evolution of AI tools, the amount of human interaction that they require in order to produce an amazing result. I agree with you, man. I think that human touch is so important and is sometimes overlooked. What what do you think right now with everyone paying attention to AI and seeing how it can replace a piece of the company that they do? What do you think are the opportunities that we're not paying attention to in marketing that we should be paying attention to? So here's the thing. And I've noticed that in a lot of other agencies, what's happening is that, you know, slowly, slowly tools are coming in and getting integrated into the agency. What we have in-house is we have a dedicated AI team in-house that their entire job is just to continuously day by day, do research on all the AI tools coming in, what they're doing, how effective are they, how easy to implement are they? What are the type of results that they're generating? And on the quality meter, basically how high they are in a quality meter. So for Mm -hmm. us, something that's really important is our dedicated AI team, because we get reports either once weekly or twice weekly that basically give us the breakdown of all the new tools, what's available, what's happening. And our AI team already learns how to operate these different AI tools and how effective they are. And they're continuously keeping track of it to see how easily integrated these tools are and how good of outcome they actually put out. So that team in-house and those weekly or even twice weekly results that we get and reports that we get, those allow us to really 
implement things very, very quickly because the way I look at it is the AI revolution that we're going through is the same thing that happened with the internet before and the same thing that has happened with, um, for example, like cryptocurrency and all these different revolutions that happened over the years. And the main thing is how quickly can you adapt and implement these tools into your system? Because if you're one of the first ones to implement these tools into the system, you're going to be much further ahead than the competition. And that's the big thing that, you know, I think at this time is a big focus, especially for us, you know, it's something that we're really, really focusing on. I like that. Do you have, when you say in-house, is that a team of two or three or four people two. that are qualified to do this too? Two. We have two nice. people at the moment. So we have two people that are both qualified to do that because, you know, they have technical background, they have some AI background. And the other thing is they've been with the agency for the last couple of years. So they know the ins oh, and outs of how we do things. So when they're reviewing those tools and when they're testing them out and they're finding new tools because there's so much out there and every single time, the best way to find new tools is just to continuously obviously search for them, but also keep tabs on social media because that's the easiest way to promote new tools. So when they know how we do things in the agency and what specific areas we target, what we can replace, what additional services we can offer, et cetera, they can implement all that into the testing of these new AI programs and see what is relevant for us, what could be relevant for us in terms of adding new services or anything like that, and implement that. I like that, man. Great, great idea how you did that. That's that's very smart. So I was I was doing a little bit of research on on you. I found a few articles in Forbes. Uh, one of them was, I have it in front of me, it's build a stronger sales team with these three, three strategies. When you're looking at building a stronger team for, for sales in particular, what are the things that you're looking for in a sales team? So with sales team, you're looking, especially for me personally, the way I'm looking for that is the number one thing you have to be, you have to be very personable. You have to be very, very personable because if you're not personable, you won't be able to build a report. You won't be able to build a connection with whoever you're looking to sell to. The other thing that's extremely important is that you need to be very, very well educated on the product offering. And mm -hmm. I feel like that's one thing that has, you know, maybe less relevance industry-wise because you know, I've noticed a lot of agencies, a lot of teams hiring, you know, an external sales team without really educating them on what it is that, you know, your product offering is. And once they're familiar with your product offering and they know exactly the ins and outs of what you're selling, they can actually sell it effectively. We've noticed that a lot of the external sales team that we've brought on, unless they're extremely educated on our entire process and product offering, a lot of the leads that will be generated will be mm -hmm. not qualified. And that's uh -huh. the other thing. 
And that's the other thing that leads me to like my third point, I think is really, really important when you're looking into a sales team. So when you're putting a sales team together, yes, education, personable is really great, but also you need to have some sort of authoritative figure of of sorts. You need to be able to take control over a conversation. And that's something very, very important. And that will happen naturally Mm -hmm. if you have a strong personality, you're personable, you know the product offering better than anyone else, you know what you're talking about. I can go into any sales call and I can pitch the company, I can pitch our product offering better than anyone else because I know it inside out. So when hiring sales team, the education part is one of the most important part. During the interview, you can obviously see how personable they are, how you know great experience they have with mm. sales. You know, if somebody has you know done sales, for example, they've done you know either door-to-door sales, direct marketing, direct sales. I mean, or you know, for example, like selling cars in a dealership or anything like that, that's great. And they're very, very good with sales and they probably have a very aggressive sales technique, but they're not going to be the right people to sell, you know, more advanced products to potentially Fortune 500 companies and dealing with C-suite executives and, you know, be able to answer all these questions. So for us, one of the things that we really care about is we care about the salesperson's history, where they worked before, have they worked with a more sophisticated product? Have they worked with, you know, C-suite creatives, like high-level creatives? You're talking with, you know, the executives in either Fortune 500 companies or any company that is substantial out there. So for example, for us, we start our services at around 15,000 a month. Usually that's the minimum retainer that we start with. Some clients are obviously a lot higher than that, but in order to be able to have somebody sign off on that on a monthly service, you know, they need to have a pretty substantial income coming in. So this is not the same as you know selling a car or selling a very simple product out there this is a complex and complicated product we do marketing we do pr um it's an interesting and more complex unique sale that we're putting together over here and for us we don't believe in aggressive sales we don't do that we don't do aggressive sales we believe in you know a very very strong product offering. And that's what I'm working on with our executive team, with our COO. We're working on that ongoing and we're constantly improving our product offering to ensure that our product offering is different than anyone else in the market. Mm -hmm. So that the sales team can actually do their job efficiently without having to rely on an any kind of aggressive sales techniques. Our product offering, our products basically sell themselves. Well, let's talk about the product offering because when I was looking at the website and everything that you've got there, that your services section, that that's a lot of great things that you're offering. What do you find that most companies come to you for? Like what stands out out of like social media, PR, um, consulting, everything that you're doing, what stands out to most people? 
So I'll tell you something. I'll, I'll give you a little bit of background first, if that's okay. So yes, our please. website hasn't been updated in three years. And there's a reason why. We don't really rely on our website for any new business. Most of the things that you see on our website, we don't even offer anymore, and I'll explain. So late last year, myself and um, our two partners in the company, our COO as well, we were we teamed up together and we wanted to find the best kind of product offering. So we were a 360 marketing agency for a long time and we offered all the services. The problem is that when you're a 360 marketing agency, you do everything and you can't do everything at a hundred percent. It's just not possible. Now our executive team and our partners are all extremely perfectionist and we like to do things at a hundred percent. We like to be, the best at what we do. And we want to make sure that we can always distinct ourselves from any of the competition because we are literally perfect at what we do. And so we made an executive decision, which was one of the hardest decisions we've had to make as a company, but we stand strongly by it and it's been working great. We Mm -hmm. let go of a lot of our clients and of last year and we let everybody know that we're going to come back with a different product offering. What we've done is we've narrowed down our product offering to three things and we only do three things in-house. What we do is we do PR and our PR is data-driven, meaning we've done enough research to see what actually converts. There's so much, you know, written and digital press coming out daily. Like there's thousands and thousands of articles coming out daily that what we've noticed is when you get those hits, like as seen on Forbes or Entrepreneur or anything like that, while it used to make a big impact back in the day, right now, a lot of it doesn't. So you do get the check mark that you can put on your website saying as seen on Forbes, Entrepreneur, et cetera, but you don't really get such a high conversion from it. The thing that we noticed provides the highest conversion is broadcast and podcast. And I'm not talking about sponsored or paid. I'm talking only earned. So, for example, putting a client like a like we work with a lot of founder led companies. So putting a founder on, for example, a morning show on a five, six minute segment with the host create such a big connection with the viewer because the viewer actually gets to learn about the company and learn about the product offering and get to know the founder and get to know the story behind things. And that mm. converts much higher. So data-wise, we saw that that converts and we wanted to focus on. So one of our services is PR focused on broadcast and podcast. Our second service is social media. Social media, what we do is we only do the organic creation of social media, meaning we'll create the TikToks, the um, Instagram Reels, YouTube Shorts, anything, or YouTube long form, anything video related, as well as obviously standard, you know, static image as well. Over and above that, the third service that we offer is talent partnerships. Talent partnerships is a big one for us as well. We work with a lot of celebrities over the years. We have a 
pretty massive raw decks of celebrities. And so what we do is we do a lot of talent partnerships, meaning celebrity partnerships, whether it's for face of the brand, whether it's for a collaboration, whether it's equity-based or pay-based, it all depends. And as well as influencer partnerships. So it could be anywhere from gifting all the way to bigger partnerships, such as face of the brand, mm-hmm. et cetera. The talent partnerships is the only part of our services that is obviously, you know, paid, let's call it. It's a, it's a, you know, transactional, the social media and the PR services are earned only. So it's all organic. We don't do sponsorship. We don't do paid, you know, everybody gets, but we get paid as a retainer. And, you know, we don't do any paid ads. We don't do any sponsored segments and shows or pay to play or anything like that. It's all earned. It's all organic. And the other thing with our product offering, which vastly distinct, distinctly, you know, differentiates us from any other agencies is that we run month to month on PR. We don't do long term mm-hmm. contracts. The reason why is because as a 360 agency, we didn't offer PR in the past a couple of years ago. And what we've noticed is that a lot of our clients wanted us to oversee their existing PR agency and manage that process. And all the clients had one thing in common. They were all very unhappy with their PR agencies just because, Mm -hmm. you know, it's always long-term contracts. You always pay. Yeah. You don't know what you're going to be getting. You're not sure if, you know, you're going to be able to deliver or not. There's no guarantees. There's no anything. It's kind of, you know, you're signing a six months or 12 months or even three months contract, but you're blind. You don't know what you're going to be getting for that. So for us, when we built our PR team, we built it again, like everything else, we built it on data and we built it on results. So our offering is month to month. Our team of publicists are focused on the specific areas that we talked about, broadcast and podcast, meaning they have all the bookers, all the producers for morning shows, talk shows, late shows, et cetera, news segments, anything like that. They have all the producers basically on text throughout the US, Canada, um, some in the UK and some in Latin America. So what we can do is we can pitch the story a lot quicker and we can actually get our clients on air a lot quicker. So our clients, usually, when we take them on, it's kind of like a backwards scenario because what we have to do is we have to find out what their story is, who's going to be the one telling the story, and we have to make a decision in-house whether we can pitch them or we can't. Because if we can pitch them and we believe in it, then we'll take them on. And then the last thing that we do is we actually offer, um, within the first month, we offer um, basically, unless you get two hits within the first month, you're going to get your money back. Simple as that, because we're very confident in what we do. A lot of the clients that come to us within the first two weeks, they're already on air. They already have you know a segment or two on air. It's that quick how we move. So for us, you know, we've onboarded a lot of clients. We've never had a client that we had to obviously refund after 30 days because we couldn't deliver them. So, you know, 
our sales process is a little different. And as I mentioned, like our product offerings vastly different than any other product offering you'll find out there from, you know, PR marketing agencies. And we mm -hmm. only focus on those three things and we know we can do them better than anyone else. The where, where are you located? So we have offices on the ground in LA, New York, and Miami. Oh, and nice. All the, all the main areas there. All the main areas, all the main areas. And we're always, you know, capable of flying. So we, we, we do a lot of, you know, travel. We have a lot of clients in, whether it's Las Vegas, San Diego, Chicago, et cetera. So we do a lot of traveling, but boots on the ground in those three major cities. I like how you narrowed it down. You made it a lot easier for the client to just choose to work with you. Because sometimes it gets convoluted as business owners and entrepreneurs. They're like, we can cover everything. Let's just build this out more. And I love that you had the courage to say, hey, wait a second, guys. I think we need to narrow this down so people don't get confused. So out of those three things right now, which one is... Which one are companies gravitating to the most? Like what's trending right now? So I would say PR is a big one for us. We do get a lot of incoming for the PR specifically because what we do is different and we focus on broadcasts and it's month to month and you know you have that guarantee for the first month. So it's a lot of things that don't exist in the market with PR and so many companies. Yeah had such a bad experience so for us what we do is is you know it's a brush it's a breath of fresh air for everyone to be able to experience it so pr is a big one for us pr is a very very big one for us social media always works and everybody's always in it in, of social media again our services are not we don't start at a low rate that could work for, for example, like the mom and pop shops or, you know, the smaller businesses. Most of our clients are bigger companies, anywhere from Fortune 500 companies to well-funded startups. And so for them, obviously, we can run their social media, we can manage it, we can produce it, we can do everything. But, you know, obviously, it comes with premium cost, which in the grand scheme of things for agencies that service these type of companies we're on the lower price because we always want to make sure that our services are very competitive and we can bet you know most other companies but you know that's the other thing we wanted to distinct who we want to work with who are who's our exact target demographic and for us we made the executive decision that we want to focus on well-funded startups all the way to Fortune 500 companies, you know. And according to that, obviously, you set your price point because if you're looking to work with the, you know, mom and pop shops and the smaller shops, which are great, but you know, your price point needs to be anywhere from a thousand dollars to two, three thousand dollars max per month. Where our product offering for social media starts at about 8,000 per month and for PR starts at about 15,000 per month. So we focus yeah. on the higher revenue or higher funding tiers. So if, if a company, so a bigger, our, our bigger audience is entrepreneurs, solopreneurs. And if we're looking at either breaking into a new market or expanding 
our market share in a current market, what are some things that you that you would say, hey, this is where you start? Do we start with these three things that you already cover? Are there other pieces? And what if people can't afford you? What should they do too, right? Of course. So we think, especially since, you know, most of your audience is entrepreneurs, um, founders, you know, the thing that we see work best is when the founder wants to enter into a new market. The thing that we notice best is the founder's face needs to be there. It needs to be involved. You need to tell the story. And, you know, obviously the ideal scenario is being able to tell the story on air, on a morning show, for example, or, you know, a talk show or a late show or a news segment, whether it's Fox Business, whether it's CNBC, whether it's any of those, whether it's, you know, a morning show on Good Day LA, Good Day New York. But the thing that we've noticed works best is for them to actually be there and tell the story and expand on why they're doing what they're doing and what the product offering is and build a mm. relation with the market. Now, it also boosts a lot of credibility, both for the brand and for the founder, because one thing is to put on your website, you know, as seen on Forbes or anything. But when you do this big in-studio appearances and then, you know, you share them on your social media and then, you know, you put them out there on the website, it gives another layer of credibility, which otherwise it's very, very hard to get. So this is something that we've noticed that works really, really well. And it's the same process that, for example, when you have a new book coming out, you're going to do the book tour, you're going to do the media tour, you're going to yeah. do those broadcast shows. If you have a new film coming out, a new TV show coming out, what do they do? They put the actors to do all these morning shows, talk shows, you know, podcasts, etc., to promote the film. It's exactly the same mechanism and it works. There's a reason why... You know, we continue to do that because the conversion is the highest. Now, if you can't afford, you know, an agency like us that's going to be focusing on broadcast and get you out there and, you know, start giving you, the founder, more credibility and your company, of course, what I would suggest is at least on social media, have the founder, have the entrepreneur behind the company actually tell the story and create ongoing engagement. It doesn't need to be every day. It doesn't even need to be every week. It can be every two weeks. It could be once a month, but there needs to be, you know, at least at that, you know, like once a month, at least there needs to be a video from the founder, from the entrepreneur behind the company, telling the story, telling them about, you know, updates and our product offering, how we're different or anything like that. So there's a face to the product. So people know and relate because service or product offering is great but as we all know the one thing that drives everything is human connection is the storytelling and the storytelling can come best from you know whether it's the ceo the founder the entrepreneur behind the company and seeing that face creates a level of comfort and security with the audience that they can relate to it better and then it converts better I like that, man. That that makes a lot of sense. I think a lot of founders and entrepreneurs, they they forget that aspect of storytelling, right? Yeah. That's such a, that's such a good point. And I think it's also something that 
that you develop as you start doing it more. Because I also find that some people are like, I can't do that. I can't be on camera. What am I going to say? Like, uh, <laughs> which is interesting. You, yeah, I, I like I like that that that's where you start. If you don't have the funds to to go all in, you'll start with social media, right? Exactly. And how how would you approach the PR aspect? Would you say that you start the whole PR route through social as well? Would you try to say, hey, well, if you can't afford your own PR company, reach out to podcasts? I don't know that they could even reach out to broadcasters. That's difficult. What does that look like? It varies. You know, it varies. Like, obviously, reaching out to podcasts and broadcasts is not going to be as efficient as, you know, from the founder themselves and the entrepreneur themselves, because the thing is, they, as I'm sure you're familiar, podcasts and broadcasts get so many different incoming pitches daily yeah. that if you're sorting through thousands of email every single day, the likelihood of you actually picking that, you know, that specific founder is not likely. And so usually what happens is that, you know, you go through a PR company, PR company already has an existing relationship with that podcast, with that broadcast, you know, they know the producers, they know the bookers, they know anybody like that, and then they can get you on there. It's very hard to do it yourself. But what you can do is you can, you know, start with social media and really start telling that story. The big thing that I've noticed again and again is that, you know, and it happens to me as well, founders get really, really busy. And yeah. when you get busy and overwhelmed with everything going on, you forget those little things, which is, you know, to put yourself out there, to speak, to add that credibility to their brand. And the founder gets so caught up with everything else that they end up skipping those little things. But that, so you know, what that does is it backfires. It backfires. You don't think it will backfire because it's like, oh, well, it's such a little thing. But no, no, no. It actually backfires because you don't get the conversion that you'd hope to convert. You don't get to tell the story as well as, you know, you could tell. So for us, it's always important for us, especially when, even when we're talking to our own clients, right? When we our own clients for PR, they pay us and everything. It's always a little bit of a struggle for the CEO, for the founder to be able to clear some time and actually go in studio and do the, you know, talks in studio on air, of course. And so, you know, we constantly work with them and remind them. And every single time, obviously, after they do that on-air segment, you know, there's a spike in traffic and the results speak for themselves. And the founder is very, very motivated to go and do the next one. But then if two weeks go by and they haven't done anything, all the work kind of jumps back in and the founder is busy, busy, busy. They don't have time to do it. So it's about finding the time, finding the balance, being able to go and do those segments. And if you don't have the funds to do those segments on social media, do those videos, create some sort of traction with your audience to be able to convert, you know, but that's a big thing. Like take time out of the day and actually do it. Mm, man, that's, that's good. I'm noticing a trend here on the way you answer a lot of the questions. They revolve around the human touch. Yes. And and connecting with people at that level, where did you where did you learn that from? Was it from 
growing up or through failing a lot like me, right? Like continual failure. Uh, where, where did that come from? So I'll tell you, it's a, it's a mixture of everything. It's a mixture of everything. For me, it's obviously like the long path that I've gone through, um, both professionally and personally. I've gone through different industries in my life. I started in oil and gas, actually. Um, I switched to, oh. <laughs> you know, while I was living in Canada, I was in oil and gas. So that was my background. And again, dealing with very, very large corporations on like Altum Cable, et cetera, on the highest level, you know, it taught me early on to focus on that human interaction. Um, for me personally, the thing that really changed my outlook of the world was more of a personal struggle that I've gone through. Um, about nine years ago, I was diagnosed with um, Burkitt's lymphoma. It was a very aggressive form of cancer. So I went through that and I went through the treatment, the surgery, the very, very intensive chemotherapy, moving into the hospital and literally moving into Cedar sinai and going through the chemotherapy 24 hours a day. And it was very, very intense. And so, you know, that kind of experience really teaches you what matters in life. And for me, uh, I find it like while it was an extremely, you know, painful and terrible experience. It was also the best experience that ever happened to me because it really opened my eyes and allowed me to get into a higher spiritual level and figure out what I want to do in this world. And, you know, one of the things I really want to do is I want to be able to always improve, meaning, you know, it doesn't take much to make someone's day a little better you know, and it doesn't take much to make a little bit of a difference in life. And so if everything that you do, you aim to make a difference, a positive difference in someone's life, you know, everything you do is going to change a little bit. And for me, obviously, I try to do two things in every interaction. One, you know, everything that I do, I do you know, thanks to God, God allowed me to be here. You know, religion is an important part of my life. You know, I'm very thankful to God. I'm very thankful for the opportunities that I got and the opportunity to stay here and leave and be completely cured at this stage from cancer. You know, I was this close to dying. I was about a couple of days away and now I'm completely healthy and, you know, it's, it's, past. I'm, I'm cured. I'm not even recession. I'm considered cured. So, you know, I owe that to God. And I tried to do two things with every interaction. I tried to bring God into it. And I try to make sure there's always going to be a positive outcome. And by a positive outcome, I don't necessarily mean, you know, oh, I'm going to get a sell out of it. I mean, I will change someone's life for the better, at least for that moment, or at least for that day. Meaning the interaction that I'm going to have with someone is going to inspire them just a little bit to feel a little bit better after the interaction. It doesn't require much, but, you know, that little bit of personal touch changes everything, you know? So for me, this is something that I try to do with Every single interaction with every single call with anything that I do, I try to do those. I, I try to bring these two things in. I love that, man. That makes a lot of sense. So you you started with the oil industry, you said the oil. Yes. Oil and natural gas. Yeah. 
oil and natural. How did that transition into what you're doing now? How did that happen? So I was always fascinated in marketing and sales and anything like that with oil and gas. Obviously, I was still doing, you know, marketing and sales. It was just a very, very large scale and working with giant corporations all throughout Canada. And so, you know, uh, at the end of the day, for me, marketing and sales and anything like that, it's about, you know, it's about human. Again, I'm bringing it to human touch, but it's about human. It's understanding the human psyche. It's understanding who you're dealing with and, you know, what they're looking for and how you can deliver what they're looking for, how you can complete what it is that they're in need of. And so, mm-hmm. you know, in the end of the day, I feel like my life, whether I start, you know, both in oil and gas. And before that, I was um, I was running uh, massive operations for UPS for Eastern Canada. And, you know, afterwards, I dabbled a little bit of entertainment and marketing. And then I launched Uprise about a decade ago. So, you know, through all these different ventures and all the different roles that I've taken, it always involved, you know, the human psyche. It always involved understanding who it is that you're going to be dealing with and how can you make a difference in their life, in their work, in anything like that. And so even if you think about any ad campaign out there or any commercial or PR or anything like that, like it's always about how are you going to get the audience to relate to what it is that you're putting out there, right? And, you know, it all has to do with the human psyche. And that's the thing that to me is so important. And that's why I've noticed even through all the different, you know, fields that I've worked in and all the different industries, I've noticed such a difference in, you know, the product, but the psyche remains the same. You continuously aim to fill a void with whoever it is, the person that is on the other end of you. You're trying to make them feel better, more secure, you know, complete, etc. Yeah. I love that response, man. I think you said, how can, how can we relate more with people? I think it's through the stories we tell and and we solve their problems through the stories we tell so they can connect with us. That's very well said, man. I, I appreciate that. Thank you. Exactly. So if I were, if I were to talk to Leon pre cancer, pre even you knowing can you, you had cancer. Okay. Yeah. And, and I'm talking to him, I'm saying, Hey, what's the most important for, thing for you right now? And I'm talking to Leon now, what would the answer have been then and now? Right. So that pre-cancer or BC. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, before cancer. Right. So the thing that was most important for me back then was the bottom line, you know, the financial, the, you know, the numbers, right? That was what the most important thing for me back then. The way I look at it now is completely different. And that's not what matters to me, actually. So for me, what matters is, you know, how can I improve whoever I'm dealing with? How can I make their life a little better, a little easier? How can I help them in a way? And I feel like when you're doing something good and you're solving problems and you're helping people, you know, 
the financial part will happen. It will happen. You know, don't focus on the financial, focus on the work that you're doing. If you're doing good work and if you're helping people and if you're helping businesses and you're really making a difference, the financial part will come with it, you know, but you know, that's the biggest lesson that I learned is rather than focus on the financial part and we're focusing on the bottom line, focus on making a difference. I like that. It's about, it's about the people. Exactly. For me, it's always about the people and making a difference, you know, and that's kind of how I see things. And that's why in our company, we do things the way we do things, because it's always about, you know, improving and giving a client much more than what they were hoping for, helping them, fixing, like building for them, doing something for them that's going to, you know, take them to the next level. Leon, where do people follow you or learn more about you and your company? I'm active on LinkedIn. I'm I'm active on LinkedIn. Everybody can find me on LinkedIn. I know I have a Twitter account somewhere (laughs) out there. So (laughs) it is there. It is there. I would say LinkedIn is the number one. And that's the best way to actually reach out to me. So LinkedIn. Now, through our website, which hasn't been updated, you can still email us. You can still um, contact us through our website and learn more. You know, we do different things, you know, and that's one other thing that I wanted to mention is that, you know, for the last few years, we tried another model and work a little bit like a VC, which means when there's companies that we actually are, you know, very interested in and we talk to and, you know, they may be a little earlier in their fundraising and they haven't raised the type of funds that they wanted to raise yet. But, you know, we have a strong belief in that company. Sometimes we will come in and, you know, either invest or invest in terms of, you know, allocation of services at a reduced rate, you know, and potentially advise, come on board as an advisor. I'm an advisor for you know, a few companies that I really believe in. So, you know, those options are always available as well. Obviously, we have to really believe in that company to proceed in that direction. This is still an offering that we've been testing out over the last two years, but it's something that we do. So to sum it up, yes, I feel like, you know, through LinkedIn is probably the best way to reach out. If not, then through our website at uprisemgmt.com. And ignore the content on there. We will get to it. We will update it. But so far, all our work comes to us from referrals, from client referrals, from, you know, referrals from friends of the company, from, you know, our staff within the company. But, you know, eventually we'll get to updating the website as well. I like it, man. Well, I just followed you on LinkedIn. So that way uh, I can I can stay in touch with you. you thank you for your time Leon I appreciate it amazing thank you so much it's been great those are all the brilliant thoughts that we have for you today if you like what you're hearing drop us a review or just tell your friends this has been a success podcast head to success.com slash podcast to hear more just like it